श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए और भक्त बृंद की प्रेम आनंदे हरे हरि So good evening everyone. Welcome. And thank you for hosting me here in North Carolina. And um chosen a topic for discussion, Sharanagati. So what we can whether we can do justice to that or not, well we try our best. Big topic, and um, one that, to one extent or another, most people here are familiar with. Sharanagati means literally sharanam. Sharanagati means to surrender, whatever that means. <laughs> That's kind of the idea. So, <laughs> help us help us get a little clearer idea on a term that's fairly widely. Um, used in the community of Gaudiya Vaishnavas will be our uh, task this evening and for the next couple of couple of gatherings. So it's a it's a broad term in English surrender, and it's used by lots of people in the community, I suppose, in in different ways. Some ways make it seem hard <laughs> to do to identify with, so good to go to the source texts and try to get some accurate understanding of the term. It comes originally from the Tantra, Vaishnava Tantra. Uh, That's uh, a subject in itself, a relevant subject, relevant to the talk as I think about it, because of course Tantra is one uh, branch of the... uh, Sacred uh, revelation from the East. You have the, you know, the Vedic side, the Upanishads, and and so on, which are all very um, male. And then you have the Tantric side, which is very feminine. Mm. And this side, this Tantric side, is very uh, pertinent to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the Vaishnavism of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's mentioned in Bhagavat, actually. Nana tantra vidhanena kolova pi tata srinu. Nice statement. Uh, it it, uh, it, it uh, is mentioned in the context of um, exploring the implications of the time, Vedic time, if you will, in which we're said to live, the, the yuga, the millennia of, of Kali. Not a very uh, auspicious time, in, from one perspective, um, and what would be the remedy for such? Hmm? Usually, we find that, the, according to the sacred text, then Bhagwan makes an avatara, avatara. He crosses from up to down, comes within our that which he who resides outside of our frame of reference comes within our frame of reference. Um, to take us out hmm, of our small frame of reference. I mean, he's everywhere, but he's kind of not in our mind. That's the problem, and that's our frame of reference. He's everywhere, but not there, unfortunately. And so the yoga is to try to bring him there. Bhakti is 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 the is the, the uh, actually is exploring his invitation to us that he might take his seat within our mind and heart. And make it a make it a place that's actually big enough uh, for everyone to live within. I've said before that we live in a small world of our mind, and it's not big enough for us to fit into and feel comfortable in. But we feel justified in demanding that everyone else live within it and be comfortable with our likes and dislikes to one extent or another. This is an unreasonable proposal, but it's possible to make the mind so big. The heart, mind being, poetically speaking, a reflection of the heart, big enough that the whole world can live in that. It was said about our Guru Maharaj Prabhupada, he will build a house big enough for the whole world to live in. So what does big mean? Big in size? No, but big by 
measure of affection. That's what bigness is really all about. As I've said many times, you could live in a in the hollow of a tree, but if you were with the one you loved, then it would be a big space, bigger than the rest of the world. So, hmm. affection. That's why we think that Golok is the biggest place. And Krishna is the biggest or the source, if you will, of all other uh, manifestations of the Godhead because he's big in affection. Rasovai Saha, he's Akila Rasamrita Murti, the very Murti, the very form of um, of reciprocal uh, dealings in love. And love will be measured, if at all, by the measure of which it involves reciprocation, reciprocal dealings. So we find in Krishna the capacity to reciprocate such that it, uh, it, 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 it exceeds that in love, reciprocating that in which we find, uh, that which we find in any other uh, form of the Godhead. So on this basis, Rupa Goswami has made his determination. Uh, following suit, following the Bhagavad Krishna's two Bhagavan Sahayam. So, it's interesting because we live in a small world of our mind, as I say, and then we want to go outside the mind. And if we go outside the mind beyond time and space, then we're in a big space. And you kind of think about it, it's like a big, well, it's, there's no space, there's no time, it's big. It's big in kind of a spacious Context, as far as our mind can try to to think about it, but the concept of Brahman, which is arrived at, or the, the the place, if you will, the space, the realm of Brahman, which is arrived at by removing hmm, the clutter that's making our life small, that's forming, if you will, our conventional egoic sense of self. That space of Brahman is only indirectly affectionate. Hmm? The measure of its affection is, uh, is 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 limited. In other words, it's the stopping of the taking hmm? that's the, that causes that forms this uh, conventional small sense of self, Indian, American, man, woman, and so on and so forth. Hmm? That's, in, that's, that's a result of taking from the environment. Attachment, in other words, desire, forms our identity in this world. Hmm? Our attachments constitute our self. That's the self that cannot be uh, maintained, problematic, because we can't keep anything. So, so to stop that, that's indirectly affectionate. You <laughs> stop hurting, stop taking, stop killing. Well, that's some progress. Kind of, as I like to give the example, moving from negative numbers to zero, that's a pretty big zero, a full zero in comparison. <clears throat> but this then, this is the ah moment, if you will, of, as uh, Sanatana Goswami would put it, <clears throat> In Brihat Bhagavatamrita, for example, a big relief, the joy, the happiness, the affection there, if you will, goes as far as, as that. It's a big relief. It's a indirectly affectionate. It's not positively charged with affectionate content. Hmm? It feels big, though. I mean, it's described like you can't say anything about it. It's so big that if you start to speak about it, it will, it will make it less. Brahman, the great. We rather talk about it as what it's not. It's not this. It's not that. What can we say positively about it? Not much because it doesn't have a lot of positive content is the point in terms of what really is valuable, content you know, valuable to us, which is uh, loving love. Really, that's what we're, you know, we're living for for love, so uh, so to move on from there, this is the bhakti idea, right? Positive and progressive immortality. So from Brahman to to Vaikuntha, it gets smaller, doesn't it? Hmm? 
Hmm? You think about Brahman. You can't even say anything about it practically. It's so big. And now Vaikuntha, there's so many things we can say about Vaikuntha. Narayan is there, he has forearms, he has associates in Dasya and Shantarasa and one half of Sakyarasa in reverence and uh, and there he has different uh, planets, it sounds small, uh, uh, which he appears as Narasimha and uh, he has Ayodhya Ram and all these dhams and so many things we can say about Vaikuntha. Hmm? Nothing we can say about Brahman. <laughs> Only we can say what it is not. And about Brahman, about Vaikuntha, so many things we can say. So, it may seem that it's getting smaller. The big thing, what can you say about it? By saying anything. But it's bigger, the idea is, by affection. It's more specific. And love requires specificity. This we find in Gita, for example, when Krishna showed the universal form. Arjuna wanted him to contract, if you will, and come back and do his forearm form, his two-arm form. And uh, this specificity, rather than this abstract universality that he couldn't get a grip on, is then uh, lovable. So the more, I mean to say, that we know about someone, the more capacity we have to, to love them. So the more of Vaikuntha is the more, there's more affection there. Hmm? There's positive content, so there's something to be said about it. Hmm? Not enough can be said, never enough. Uh, words cannot do justice, but that doesn't mean there's nothing to say about it. Hmm? No. And if we go from Vaikuntha to Goloka, it becomes even smaller, doesn't it? Hmm. Oh, especially the brunch is just a village. Only, hmm? but the idea philosophically of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, everything is in that village. Hmm? Everything that is in Vaikuntha is in that village. Everything in Brahman, whatever's there, <laughs> the, 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 is there. Everything in the material world, hmm? all possibilities. Hmm? There is no, no impossible is not in, in the dictionary there. Hmm? Braj. It's a, it, it indicates movement also. It's a moving place. It's, a, it's not static. Um, the nature of praying is that it's full, but it's ever increasing at the same time. Hmm? So it's big because it's more a more affectionate space. It's more specific. It seems to the mind smaller and so forth. But if we look carefully, it's called aprakrita. It looks like the material world, but it's very different. Hmm? Here, even the good is bad. And there, even the bad is good. Hmm? Love has the power to turn faults into ornaments. Hmm? So, to go there, to go to that side, this is our task. And scriptures come to help us in this regard. Hmm? This is uh, the... Uh, uh, we call it revelation, and the tantra is a big part of that for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. And it's mentioned in the same Bhagavatam in this regard. Nana tantra vidhane na kalova With regard to the descent of Bhagavan, the avatara, in the Kali Yuga, Chaitanya Dev. Hmm? It's said in Kali Yuga, this, this first I'm citing prefaces one, a prominent one, about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna Varnam, Tisa Krishnam, some of you know. Sango Pangastaparsanam Yadnai Sankitana Prayajantihi Sumedas, describing his characteristics and so forth, his, his uh, preoccupation with Krishna Nam and, and um, the method, if you will, of, of uh, worshiping, worshiping him, Sankitanam. Something for people who are sumedasa, who have good, 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 qualitatively good intelligence, who have some enough enough background, sukriti we call it, that their their psychology, their thinking can identify readily with this and and assimilate it and so forth. It's a special kind of intelligence because we know there are lots more intelligent people than us in the world by other measurements, hmm? perhaps by quantity. Hmm? But there's a certain quality to the intelligence that allows one to 
It's called Sukriti, Suktivan, who has sufficient uh, this, which is acquired by contact with bhakti over many lifetimes and so forth. There's a building of this that comes. This building flowers in the form of Shraddha. This Shraddha, this faith, is faith in revelation. Hmm? That's what it is. Faith that faith, in other words, that there is a comprehensive means of knowing that can be arrived at. Hmm? A perfect means of knowing, which means a means of knowing, a kind of knowledge by which we can become perfectly happy. Such a thing exists. Some people say it doesn't exist, but everybody looks for it, nonetheless. So who's crazy? This is the idea. Hmm? We say that it exists, hmm? and we say. We say that there's a perfect method for arriving at it. And that method is like this. We fold our hands. In other words, if it wants to reveal itself to us, then we will know. Otherwise not. Hmm? Not by our imperfect means will we arrive at that. By the exercise of our physical prowess, our mental or intellectual force. Hmm? We cannot barge our way in there. Hmm? But if the infinite chooses to reveal itself to the finite, then that which would otherwise have been impossible becomes possible. This is idea, the very kind of spirit of, of uh, the idea of revelation. It's not talking about a dusty old book that's no longer pertinent and full of superstitions and, and so on. Of course, all such texts do have some cultural baggage we may have to sort through, but their essential message is something so pertinent. It's about what we are. It's an answer to the question why the human life, like I said the other night, constitutes. Human life is just a big question mark, a big existential question. Why am I? What am I? Hmm? Why? What is the meaning? This is a question. The question of who's asking the question is consciousness, hmm? not matter. How questions, those are another thing. How to eat, how to sleep. Nature can answer those questions. But why nature can not answer that? We have to look beyond nature. Because the thing that's asking hmm, itself, the asker, the inquirer, is of a different nature than nature. This is, of course, the theory. and, and, And yoga, bhakti is a way to validate that. Subjectively, no doubt, but subjective experience is not as bad as sometimes people make it out to be. We wouldn't get up in the morning without taking stock in the subjective experience that we exist. We cannot objectively prove that we exist. You have to think about that after the class, but uh, it's a subjective experience. I exist. I function practically on the basis of that. That's why I go to work, get up, do everything that I do. Hmm? So subjective experience is, is sometimes dismissed in our rational you know, world. And if it can't be validated by third party, as a, what do they call it, falsifiable, then we shall not believe in it. Hmm? We don't function like that. This is completely, absolutely impractical. It's like to say empirically we exist, but actually we don't. It's kind of like a Mayawad idea. <laughs> actually, if you think about it, some of the modern scientific ideas about consciousness, we don't exist, but for all practical purposes we appear to, so we may as well. So Mayawad says a similar thing. Actually. The individual self exists empirically. It's like a dream. It doesn't really exist, but you're experiencing it nonetheless. But ultimately there is no individual self, just a thought, but at any rate, hmm? comprehensive knowing will come from up to down, hmm? the part will know the whole, if the whole wants to be known, which hmm? Pachita Marsh once wrote about it nicely when he said that the, 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 the eye can <coughs> see the object if the mind minds it, hmm? If the mind, you know, if you have an object in front of your eye, but your mind is somewhere else, then you say, I didn't see that. Hmm? So, if the Godhead wants us to know, we can, we can know something like that. So, 
This is the idea then of revelation in the Tantra is is an important part of the revelation for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, as this verse I'm citing says. And 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 some well, faith, which is the blossoming, as I said, of this Sukriti that's building up over lifetimes that enables us to to be here tonight. Hmm? Uh, this this faith is faith in in revelation in this this way of knowing that comes from up to down, hmm? and and it's a it's a it's a lack of faith conversely in in the idea of arriving at comprehensive knowing by instruments that have shown themselves to be um, faulty hmm? in many respects, even in terms of acquiring relative knowledge or, or partial knowledge. Hmm? So this bhakti, and it, through, it is, it, through, through the scripture, the idea of this, it comes from up to down. It's a very different idea. When we use our senses, when we use our mind, when we use our intelligence hmm, in relation to bhakti, rather than being used by our mind and used by our intelligence in, the, in, a, in a futile pursuit of comprehensive knowing. In other words, people say, well, you use your mind and senses too. You have to think about what Swami said and so forth. But this is a, this is a, a very different idea. It's not unhinging my, not unhinged intellectual pursuit. The intellectual pursuit is there in bhakti, but it's hinged to, tied to, revelation, exploring its implications. Hmm? And the sensual activity that our life consists of, it's not unhinged. Hmm? It's, it's, um, uh, uh, it's, it's tied to bhakti, the hearing, the chanting, and so forth. These things that so this is means the knowing that comes hmm, is coming from up to down. It's not a product simply of our mental, physical, intellectual prowess. Hmm. And the idea about this, the conceptual kind of orientation of this, this is then scripture is full of this. This is and it's difficult to understand this scripture, this revelation, because the background behind this, what this is, is the feeling, there's feeling behind it. It's like the, the Godhead reaching out to us, but we don't speak God's language. So it's, it's a, so they say, like I read an article the other day, I mentioned it last night, a Christian fellow on the radio, I think Gauravani, you sent it to us, had complained about yoga, you know, warned the congregation, watch out for yoga, you know. This is a, <laughs> Um, anyway, I lost my point there, but that's a that's a funny one. Uh, at any rate, so for for knowing, for knowing and for going comprehensively, huh, we need help from that side to go to the other side. Not on the strength that this is like counterfeit uh, currency. There's no no purchasing power in 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 the instruments arrived through. Uh, in a context of imperfection, there's no has no credit there, purchasing power for reality hmm? to, to live in a land where there's no death hmm? and where there's real affection. So, to tie anyway our senses, our mind, our intellect, and so forth to bhakti, bhakti. This is this 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 uh, scripture. This, this this I say this is outreach. Is the point I was making? It's like. The Godhead is speaking in love language, and we don't understand it. The, the, the Christian guy said, and they have these unintelligible syllables that they utter. You know, what's that? You know, oh, what does that mean? You know, as if God spoke American or something. You know, but but they but at the same time they are somewhat unintelligible hmm? because. Even if you know the language Sanskrit, it doesn't mean that you've understood what's being said there. It's it's put together in such a way that it, that that the, the difficulty in understanding it in large it largely is a result of the 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 fact that it's spoken 
from the heart of God. And we don't speak that language. In Golok, for example, the language isn't Sanskrit there. That's not what they speak, or Bengali, or Rajbas. I mean, it may have a superficially be, be such, but the language is love, it's bhava. And we don't speak that language. We're takers here. At best, we're lucky if we speak uh, reason. And most of us, you know, don't, or we we speak it, but we don't. We don't really do it. We we reason about what might be good for us, but we often act um, otherwise. So, so there needs to be some interpretation here, some some medium by which someone who speaks reason. And someone who speaks the language of love, that's the idea of the guru, the guide. Hmm? He or she speaks that language of love and then can communicate that language of love, that which is, you know, it's kind of a bad way to say it, it's like beyond the, the feeling, the, the intuitive way of knowing and communicating. That You know, we have a semblance of experience of this in the shadow of love that we find in this world. This, you know, especially the mothers, they kind of know what's best without thinking about it. Hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> so to then kind of translate that into reason and logic and, and, uh, and try to address us in this world, that is the task of the, of the guide. Hmm. That, 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 that's what it means, shrotriyam, shabde parechanishnapam brahmani upashamashraya, samakpani shrotriyam, Brahmanishtam, to know to be to be well versed in the scripture. It's not an academic affair. That's not the idea. Hmm? But who's who's it to be in touch with the heart of that? Hmm? To speak the language of love, one has to be a a a, a giver, a lover. Hmm? So this we need, hmm? and with this in place, good company and human life then we can take advantage of that Shastra, that, that revelation, and faith will dawn in us. It's faith in this. This is, this is what the faith that gives us eligibility to, to engage in bhakti is. Faith that, that there's a way of knowing that transcends my limited means of knowing. I have to approach it humbly hmm, and, uh, and prayerfully and so forth. Hmm position myself in such a way that it may choose to reveal itself to me, to attract the sympathy of Bhagwan. Hmm? This is our position. Hmm? Like a young girl who wants to attract attention of a young young boy, something like that. And our practices are all like that. If she knows he likes apples, it used to be she showed up at the bus stop with an apple in the morning. Two of them. Did you want one? <laughs> Something like this is our, our sadhana is something like that. Our rules are something like that. We position ourselves in such a way because we heard Bhagwan likes this. It's anukul to Bhagwan. It's favorable. This is one of the angas, the limbs of Sharanagati that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea of Sharanagati, as I say originally, comes from the Tantra, Vaishnava Tantra. And this tantric side of the sacred texts that we're supposed to have faith in, that we, in, in, in an essential sense, as I'm speaking about it, hmm? that, that it enables us, it makes us eligible to tread the path. The more that we understand that, the more suitable, the more, the more well-equipped we are to actually tread the path. Hmm? So that means, well, I guess we should really study the scripture. Yeah, or you should really serve the person who embodies the scripture. That works even better sometimes. So, so both things. Nityam bhagata sevaya bhagavati utamasvoki or bhakti or bhavati naistiki nastaprayeshu bhavateshu. So, nana tantra vidhane na bhagavat says. So in Kali Kaloap, he says, Kaloapit tashrinu. He says, Tashrinu. He's talked about the other avatars for Dwarpa Yuga, Satya Yuga. Treta Yuga. Now he's going to talk about Kali Yuga and he says, listen up, Tatsrinu, pay attention, because this is a little harder to grasp. The Yuga Avatar comes, God comes, but he hides himself. Krishna Varnam Tisa Krishna. He's Krishna, but he's not Krishna. He's black, but he's actually golden in this case. Antar Krishna, but he's golden. 
Inside he's black, he's Krishna. Outside he's Gaur. He's Krishna, but he's not Krishna. He's Krishna in the mood of a devotee of himself. Hard to follow. Therefore, Bhagavatam says, pay close attention now. We should note that so many people read that Srimad Bhagavatam and didn't pay close enough attention to find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in that verse. And when you hear Sanatana Goswami Prabhu's commentary, you think, what else could it say? What else could it possibly mean? How could anybody get any other meaning from that? This kind of person we want to be in touch with. Who has a living in the text. So we have to pay attention, he says, especially in Kali Yuga. And this tantra is very useful in Kali Yuga. So this tantric side, the Pancharatra, Nard Pancharatra, and so forth, the Vaishnava um, Tantra is quoted here with regard to Sharanagati. Um, uh, and so many of the, we want to say that the, there's a left hand Tantra, you know, you're more familiar with that, maybe, and then the right hand side, we're, we're on the right hand side of the the Tantra here. And so all the different techniques and how to worship the deity, all these like codes and and uh, mandalas and uh, uh, ritualistic language and behavior and so forth, how to enter the realm of ritual and function within that, uh, which is a kind of a meeting ground between matter and spirit and functioning within the realm of ritual, how to transcend the symbolic representation of the absolute that's found there and actually come within with his embrace and so forth. All this is found in the Tantra. So the Goswamis have borrowed or taken heavily from there. These Goswamis are, are Shastra gurus, we say, because they've given us the Bhakti Shastras. They've done two things. One thing is they've taken from all of the sacred texts and shown us which are the texts, the original texts that are uh, um, speaking about Shruta Bhakti, emphasizing Shruta Bhakti. They've drawn from them and collected them. And then from the other body of texts, the, 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 the balance of that, they've taken the verses from those books that focus on this. It's a miraculous kind of work. What does it say? Nana Shastra Vichara Naikanipuno Saddharma Samstapako Lokanam Hitakarino Tugubanema Nyushadamanyakaro Lokanam Hitakarino. This is how they they, they 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 didn't do this for any reason. Hmm? Sutta Goswami praises Sukadev before he speaks in the Bhagavatam. Kurunayaha Puranaguhyam. The secret, the mystery of this Puranam. My guru, Sukadev, spoke it. Karunayaha, out of love. That he didn't do it to make a profit, to have a following. When my Maharaj came to America, he said, I didn't know what to expect. I was prepared to speak to the walls if no one would listen. Hmm? I mean, what are you going to get from a wall? Hmm? He's only giving. Hmm? He built a house big enough the whole world to live in. That was his own house. He built it inside. Hmm? <laughs> That's where we're both today. In his heart. That's where he built it. A fellow came to me in Vrindavan, a godbrother of mine some years back, and he's I was staying there for a little while, and he said, Marge, I want to meet you and talk to you. And I said, oh, great, nice to meet you, come in, and so forth. And he said, I have this idea I want to share with you. I said, what's that? He said, I'm going to build a, a temple in Vrindavan, and it's going to be like a Disneyland for Krishna. There are going to be rides, and an Agasura ride, and the Putana, you know, thing. It's just going to be anything. Went on and on and on with this whole huge idea that he had. And I, he said, what do you think? I said, oh, that's a big idea. I'm, I'm really small in comparison. I don't have such big ideas like that. I said, I'm trying to build a temple in my heart. And he went, oh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a big idea. <laughs> I can keep busy <laughs> doing all kinds of things, but that's, a, well, okay, Marsh, thanks. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> that's a big idea, <laughs> not an easy one. Hmm? So he did that. Hmm? He built a temple in his heart. Hmm? Big heart. Hmm? Hmm? If you go to the heart of Prabhupada, you find room there hmm? to live. Room to live, room to breathe, and more. Hmm? So, so generous. 
You know, then outside the heart it manifests in form and that can shrink and there can be problems with that. But the heart that it comes out of, this is the deity, it just comes out of the heart. And when you look at the deities, there's Prabhupada's heart. Hmm? There's his heart again, so forth. So to live in that, hmm? that's big. Hmm? Very spacious, big, accommodating, loving. Hmm? So, to go there, this is the idea. Hmm? And this is the way, to Sharanagati. And we need to get some idea of what, what really some, take that from the abstract and bring it into the concrete so we can get a handle on that and proceed. So we need to be acquainted with the scriptures and the best way to do that is to be in touch with someone who speaks the language there. And who speaks with some feeling, some realization, what I said, Sukadev said, he spoke it, or Sutta goes on, my guru, out of karun, out of compassion. He had nothing to gain by speaking it. It was only a, an act of, 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 of giving, of sharing. It's an overflowing. It's a, it's a problem. If you really take this on, it's a, it's a huge problem. You get, like, full. You overflow. you got to give this out. Hmm? Rupa Goswami said it in a nice way. He said, his mind was splitting. He said, these two syllables, Krishna, I cannot tell you how much nectar is contained within these. I've been mining this. And I keep pulling out more and more. It's creating a problem for me. When these two syllables dance in the courtyard of my heart, my senses become inert. They're unable to function in relation to the sense objects. Hmm? This is sense control. Hmm? And he said, at that time I pray, I wish I had millions of ears and millions of tongues to take advantage of these two syllables. What lies in them? What nectar? We should be encouraged by such that there's such it's possibly that if somebody's actually feeling like this, I'm chanting this, waiting, counting how many times? What time is it now? Hmm? Uh, and he's lost all you know, sense of time and, and space and he needs help. Hmm? So you need help. You need to share this. So, Kurunaya Purana Guhyam. He said, my guru, Sukadev Sutta said, Oh, he, this is how he spoke it. This I, why it had, had, has had impact on me. And I can speak it to you, the sages and so forth, as they had so requested. So this kind of company, this is, this is, uh, this is required. Hmm? This is required. It's, 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 it's really required with regard to this, this, these, the specifics for that matter of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the specific ideas of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that they, that they, that they uh, give us um, access to, the Brajali, the, the sentiments there. Particularly with regard to that, and, and Jiva Goswami has made this point in regard to Sharanagati, and I'll touch on that as we go on. But for now, what's important in terms of what we've been discussing is that this sacred text is important. The Tantra is particularly important. Gopal Bhatta Goswami took from there in his Hari Bhakti Vilas when he wrote about Sharanagati. Rupa Goswami took from there when he wrote in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu about Sharanagati. Hmm? Jiva Goswami took from there when he wrote about Sharanagati in his uh, Satsandarbha, Bhakti Sandarbha. There you will find. And Bhakti Vinod Thakur, of course, has taken from there and developed. Another place they've taken from our Gaudiya Sampradaya, in talking about Sharanagati, other than the Tantra, where it's mentioned. It's mentioned, I should say. What is the verse? Anukulyasya sankalpa pratikulyasya rajanam rakshikshati vishvashpo gupritvi varanam tatha. So now it becomes more concrete. It's sixfold, the Sharanagati. So accepting what is favorable for Bhagavan in his service, rejecting what's unfavorable. Hmm? This is our morality. Simple. If it helps me in bhakti, I'll do it. If it doesn't help my bhakti, I won't do that. Hmm? Then to, to this 
thinking of Krishna as one's only protector, he's my maintainer, hmm? that um, a kind of kind of a humility and a kind of egoness, egolessness where we only do the bidding of, of the God. And this is a brief idea. We have to go into it in some detail. But for now, this verse was taken by the Goswamis and to different extents they, they talked about it. But they also not only took it from the Tantra, but from another sect, another Vaishnava sect, where it was uh, had has prominence. Sharanagati is very prominent in the Ramanuja Sampradaya. It's a Sri Sampradaya. This is a, this means a Vaidhi Bhakti Sampradaya. That means Sharanagati is relative to Vaidhi Bhakti. And we are in the Ragmarg, so we're going to have to talk about that. Why are we interested if we're in the Ragmarg? means our objective, our ideal, our prayojan is Prem. And Prem in the Goswami's language means Prajalila. Hmm? Sakya, Madhurya, Vatsalya, hmm? hmm? Gasya, Inbraj. Hmm? So, so what is the we're talking about Sharanagati? It's here in this first song of Bhakti. We have to go into that. What is the connection then between Vaidhi Bhakti and Ragmar? And so Sharanagati is very prominent in Ramanuja Sampradaya. Ramanuja is a Vaidhi Mark Sampradaya. It means they worship with awe and reverence. They want to go to Vaikuntha and Om Narayana, hmm? Dasya Bhakti, Shanta Bhakti, hmm? a little bit of half half of the Half of Sakyarasa, reverential friendliness. This is in Vaikuntha. Hmm? This is their ideal. And Sharanagati, as I say, is very prominent. In fact, there are two prominent sects of, of Ramanuja, uh, Sampradaya, the Sri Sampradaya, and they have two different uh, outlooks on this. One embraces Bhakti Yoga and Sharanagati as an Anga of Bhakti the limb of bhakti. The other distinguishes bhakti from sharanagati and embraces sharanagati as an alternative means for mukti, for liberation and entering into vaikuntha. Sometimes they're talked about like this. You might have heard of it. The monkey and the cat. Right? So the, the monkey carries... Her mama monkey, she she carries her baby. You ever see them in like in Vrindavan or other parts? They care. The, the monkey holds on to the mom, and the mom just goes from tree to tree to tree. So the mother is taking the the, the, the child everywhere. He cannot go independently, but he's hanging on to the mother. This is one type of this is this is bhakti. Where Sharanagati is is a limb of bhakti, an anga of bhakti. Where Sharanagati is the whole, the angi, not the anga, but the angi. Like anga means the arm, angi means the body. So it's the whole practice unto itself. That then has been compared to the cat who carries the kitten. The cat, you've ever seen a cat carry the kitten, picks the kitten up by the back of the neck. So the kitten is not even holding on. His mom's doing everything. Hmm? So this is this is this is prominent in Ramanuja Sampradaya. In one sect, the other sect goes in the other direction, like the monkey. So you have the monkey and the cat sects of, of Ramanuja Sampradaya. Hmm? The Sharanagati, as, as the Angi, is said to be very powerful and effective and easy. Hmm? Uh, but everything's up to Krishna. Just completely, it's up to him entirely. There's no there's no effort in this. They see effort in bhakti. Because in Ramanuja Sampradaya, the bhakti is a different kind of bhakti than the Braj bhakti. Hmm? It's bhakti yoga. We we tend not to use the word bhakti yoga, of course, except when we speak to yoga groups and <laughs> so forth. But actually, we don't find bhakti yoga very much used. Bhakti and yoga used together in the, much in the Goswami context. But you do that find that in Ramanuja context because. They have an idea. Their idea is first you, you perform Nishkam Karma, then you come to Gyan. Hmm? In the context of that, you start to do yoga, and then you incorporate bhakti into the yoga. And so like that sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita that talks about Ashtanga Yoga, it's kind of bhakti mixed with yoga. It's a yogic form of bhakti. Hmm? You can get Vaikuntham, 
from this, this is what what the Ishvara uh, Pranidhan of Patanjali Yoga Sutras, Krishna Namacharya, the guru of you know who was this Ayingar uh, and Patabi Joyce. He was uh, from this Ramanuja Sampradaya. He did yoga. He's a prayojan. His goal was Vaikuntha, hmm? liberation by Kunta. But it's a it's through a yogic kind of yogic bhakti, bhakti yoga. Our term is more readily Shuddha Bhakti. Shuddha Bhakti. It means it's not mixed Ganya Bilashita Shunyam Gyan Karma Dhyanavritam. It's not mixed with Gyan Karma or Yoga or anything else. Shuddha Bhakti. So we see it a little differently. We see it as a full, fully dependent, but we also see this, in other words, we're dependent upon mercy, but we also see there's some place for effort. But the effort is, as I spoke, it's not a yogic kind of effort. Our effort is to do things that are pleasing to Bhagawan and to avoid things that are not pleasing. Our renunciation is to give up things that aren't pleasing to to Bhagawan, that aren't conducive to Bhakti. Hmm? So, at any rate, this is prominent in Ramanuja Sampradaya. You can see it's an interesting idea because here is a a very uh, powerful uh, Vaishnava Sampradaya that can take you to Vaikuntam. That's pretty powerful. But they're thinking about the same subjects we are, bhakti, for example, in very, very different ways. So I talked about this the other night. There's a limitation to language and philosophy. Hmm? We have our philosophy. It's Gaudiya's. We should know it and understand it. We should be... Um, it will inform our bhakti and make us more capable of, of, of practicing and so forth. But don't be too... Um, uh, too... Uh, uh, um, don't require in your mind that it's going to answer all the questions. Hmm? Philosophy has its limitations. Hmm? It's a t- way to try to explain logically that the, 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 the feeling hmm? that, uh, that, that, that bhakti is. So, from the Tantra, from Ramanuja Sampradaya, the Goswamis have taken this Sharanagati, Rupa Goswami, probably the first, wrote about it in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, where he's delineating all the different limbs of bhakti. There's hearing, there's chanting, there's this, that. He articulated something like, what, 64 or something? Or more than that. 64 qualities of Krishna. So many, maybe 64. Yeah. And so Sharanagati is one of them. In passing, he mentions it. I think he quotes from the Tantra and gives it that verse that I, I cited and so forth. And um, and then, as I mentioned, um, Sanatana Goswami and Rupalbhata Goswami have mentioned it in Hari Bhakti Vilas, quoting from the Tantra, and Jiva Goswami in Satsandarbha, in Bhakti Sandarbha. There, he has given a little more extensive treatment on Sharanagati than than uh, than Rupa and Sanatana, his elders. Mm. Well, there he explains. The point that I raised earlier, that is that this Sharanagati, he says a powerful thing. This is going to be great to, for some people, but understand it in context. He's really saying, what he's really saying there is, Sharanagati is a powerful means for achieving uh, mukti, Vaishnava mukti. You can, you, you can go uh, to, to Vaikuntha by that, he said. But if you are interested in in a specific relationship with Bhagwan, hmm? then you need something more, he said. Then you need a guru who knows about that, hmm? who can teach you the ways of that and give you the mantra and so forth. You understand what he's saying? He's, he's saying you don't need a guru. Wow, people are going to love that if you want to go to Bhaikuntha. But then you won't be a Gaudi Vaishnava either. That's not what Gaudi Vaishnavas want to go. He say theoretically, it's possible if you just do prapati, sharanagati, fully. Hmm? Bhagavan will just take you back. People think that sounds good. I'm out of here. All this Gaudi stuff takes a long time. <laughs> Don't think like that. You know? Then you're not a Gaudi Vaishnava. You haven't understood then what is Brajapakti. You have to hear enough that you think. Even if it would be easier to go to Vaikuntha, I'm not going there. I'm in for the long haul, something like that. I'm attracted to that. This kind of attraction, this little bit of ruchi, even if it's 
unreliable, even if it's just a reflection of being in touch with someone who has it. Hmm? You should hang on to that. This is the center of the sadhana of 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 um, of, of our our shuddha bhakti, our 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 rag bhakti, and it's some affinity for that ideal. Everything revolves around that. When I was younger, in my twenties, about twenty-three, I remember I've told this story before in Los Angeles. One of my gobblers, just he was kind of an eccentric guy. A lot of them like that. He said um, to me that, you know, he just like walked up to me in front of the Los Angeles temple. He said, you know, most of the devotees don't go to Vrindavan; they go to Baikunta. And I was a new devotee. He was pretty new too, I guess. But I, I it's like, it just really, you know, didn't make my day. I thought, what? I couldn't believe that. You know, I, I just, I just, it brought me to tears. And that's, then I thought, it's not possible. He's got to be wrong about that. We're going to go to Baikunta. So that kind of resolve you have to have. That kind of, you have to be, if you have good contact, good, good, good association, we have some affinity for that. This is our ideal. And yes, it may take long, whatever. It's much harder to, to, to do. Uh, but I'm going, I'm in for the long haul, something like that. Ritviks, they can go to Vaikuntha. And that'll probably be the one planet that they fall from, too. That all goes together, those ideas. <laughs> Falling from Vaikuntha and Ritvik and all that stuff. That's all on the same planet. <laughs> you can go there pretty easily. And hopefully they won't come back, but in mind, I don't know. So, <laughs> at any rate, it's, this is a theoretical possibility. Yuvalasani hmm? makes the same point elsewhere in Satsandarva. It's possible, hmm? right, that you, you won't need a diksha and a guru if you've got all these other things, which nobody has in place, if you can completely control your mind and your senses and so forth, and just, um, you know, for example, chant the holy names, but people can't do that. That comes from lifetimes of practice and so forth and, and so on. So it's only like a theoretical possibility. They, 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 they let it out for a minute and, and they show, but... For all intents and purposes, no. And besides that, even if you were such, that won't take you to Goloka. That's not possible. So, we have then Sharanagati, Vaidhi Marg. Again, it can take you to Baikunta. Hmm? And our ideal is, is Rag Marg. Hmm? How do the two connect? This is, uh, this is a, this is where then, in our party bar, in our family, means from Bhakti Vinod. Prabhupada said, my movement, that is Bhakti Vinod, the movement of Bhakti Vinod. This is this whole idea of, which is so big for Gaudiya Vaishnavism, of interfacing Gaudiya Vaishnavism with the rest of the world, the thinking world and so forth. This was Bhakti Vinod's idea. I mean, it's not his idea only. The Goswamis were doing that in their time. See how big of a thing it is, because since their time, Hardly anybody did that, and it just became smaller and smaller and more provincial and more and more provincial. Hmm? Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Practically, it would have been obscured, you know, from the planet if it weren't for Bhaktivinotakura. The Goswamis, what I mean to say was, they were, uh, they acquired the patronage of kings hmm? who were building temples and Vrindavans and monuments and this place and that place where Krishna, but the Goswami said, Krishna walked over there, Krishna blew his foot there. He bathed over here with Radha. So they made, they, they spent, Goswamis didn't have any money, you know. <laughs> These kings came. Hmm? So they were speaking about Gaudiya Vaishnavism in such a way that the, the, you know, to put it in today's language, you know, that, 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 you know, Swami got invited to, you know, Martha's Vineyard the other day, you know, to give a yoga talk, you know, to the, you know, president on his vacation or something like that. This is the position that they had. In the world, in Bharata, in India, hmm? this is this is the position Gaudiya Vaishnava should have. We should understand Gaudiya Vaishnavism enough to know that it has that capacity to be that relevant, that uh, that contemporary, that uh, cutting edge, that uh, that vital. Hmm? It's hard sometimes, you know, the way it can be misrepresented. That's what Bhakti Vinod was dealing with. Hundreds of years of of misrepresentation, weak representation, hmm? 
and so forth. That's why he was someone, actually a prominent journalist from Calcutta, coined the name for him, dubbed him the seventh Goswami. There's so many parallels, actually, between what he did and the Goswamis did. The way he established Vrindavan, or excuse me, Navadvip, like they established Vrindavan, the books that he wrote, the way that he wrote them, the contemporary way that he spoke about Gaudi Vaishnavism, so many things. Hmm? So this is our line. This is, I mean, such, within Gaudi Vaishnavism, becoming the line of Bhakti, we know it, you gotta be blessed. You should think, you should think about what that means. What a, what an opportunity that, and what a, what an obligation that is. You have to be very broad-minded. Imagine how broad-minded Bhakti Vinod Thakur was. And he intimately associated with all types of Gaudiya misconceptions and so forth. Had tea with them, or not tea maybe, but uh, sat with them and so forth and said, well, actually, that's Upasadanta. And, you know, then he was very cordial about it. <laughs> but then Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitthaka came and like a plow, you know, he just took the, what the ideas of Bhakti Vinodaka were and made a, made a pathway, you know, for, for Prabhupada, our Prabhupada, for example, to walk on and, and so on. But it, but the, it's a very, um, it's a very broad-minded idea. These are universal ideas. They're not just ideas that are stuck in a book. Like I, like I was trying to talk about earlier, the revelation in such a way that we can get the idea. It's not like just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's it. I've got it. It's not like that. It doesn't work like that. Again, I've given an example of like law books. Prabhupada say the scriptures are the law books, and we thought, wow, that's it. The law. We got everything figured out. We don't even have to think anymore. That's great. They're just you know turn to page one hundred eight, and there's the answer for that one. You know. <laughs> And so forth. Uh, but if you play that analogy out, the law books, we know that the laws are constantly being written. Hmm? As new circumstances arrive and, and somebody commits an, uh, you know, a pre, an unpremeditated murder, you know, well, I think about that now. That's a different kind of than just a murder, you know. So that kind of thing, the laws are rewritten and it's a dynamic thing. It's, reality is not static. Hmm? So our, in our attempt to make it static, that's what's called maya. Hmm? To control it, to measure it, to bring it within our fist and so forth. We have to be, at some point, comfortable with a little bit of um, unknowing. Hmm? We're kind of theistic agnostics. We, 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 we know and we don't. We know we can't know everything. We, he's unknown and unknowable. We're comfortable with that. Hmm? Hmm. Krishna doesn't know himself. That's what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was about, trying to figure it out from Radha's perspective and so forth. So, at any rate, uh, we come in a great lineage in Thakur Bhakti Vinodan. What he's done, we'll talk about this tomorrow, but I'll conclude with this tonight. He took from the Goswamis, I'm giving a little history of Sharanagati. Hmm? Then he took that and he's made, made much out of it. He's written a book of songs about it. He's uh, reason, he's theologized about it. He's a theologian. He took the ideas, he extended the ideas, he unpacked the ideas in such a way. He shows the relation between Rag Marg and Vaidhi Bhakti and, and uh, Vaidhi Bhakti with regard to Karanagati and so on and so forth. So we talk a little bit about Bhakti Vino then tomorrow. Any question? Yes. The, uh radical nature of, uh, of Bhakti Siddhanta in that he was, you know, he, he, he didn't even take formal initiation in, in terms of, of what we, you know, of what Vaidhi Bhakti says is formal initiation and taking sannyas from the picture and he did all these radical things, but then he formed an institution and put into that institution a real form and structure based on Vaidhi Bhakti. Can you explain how that worked? Well, I mean, his, his spiritual master was yeah. not even in, you know, it's very radical if we look at his true. Mm-hmm. Root of 
you're saying so. You're, what you're saying, if I understand correctly, he was very radical, but then he did something very kind of static in a way by forming an institution. Structure. Yeah, structure. Well, I think you know that's uh, that's something that we we try to do. That's um, you, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I mean, what was he was like? Give an example. He's like a waterfall of love of God. What can you do? You can't even just approach it. It's so powerful and. But the Goswamis came with their writing, they made a lake out of that. Hmm? And they institutionalized it in a written form so that you could approach it and so forth. And, and take advantage of it. And it's harder to corrupt such a soft form of institutionalization than it is to corrupt a more concrete form of institutionalization where you take the books and from the books you form a, a, a sect and then you've got to have the rules how the sect is going to work. And the rules how the sect is going to work, are, you know, we try to connect them to what you know the whole book's about. So, but it starts to break down. The more that the more the the more concrete, the more um, what was the word you used? Um, uh, hmm? Structured. You try to make something that defies structure. Well, you know, there's 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 potential problems. But there may be potential good also. So you have to look at that institutionalization as he himself did, right? I think it was he who said there's never been an institution about love of God that hasn't become corrupt or something like that. Somebody quoted that to me today or something like that, right? Hmm? Um, so he well knew that. But after but, his departure, all the other godless sects attacked like they attacked what he does and said this is he's unauthorized. He didn't have he didn't sannyasis are unauthorized. Go oh dear wives. Everything he does, he's not even in our line. He's not even a Vaishnava. So what's your point? So you think it was counterproductive? I'm saying. just trying to understand how such a such a well one of the thing one of the one of the things one one of the he wanted he wanted to do he had a bigger idea. So he wanted to give structure to the thing. That it might go beyond the borders of India. It's kind of like Prabhupada goes, was kind of disappointed with India. Hmm? He was disappointed with Gaudiya Vaishnavism in India, hmm? practically. So whatever, hmm? he he didn't think so much how to cater to the contemporary Gaudiya Vaishnavas. He saw too much, in his estimation, uh, deviation, misrepresentation, and no prospect, even in the best circumstances of the thing going any further, given the way it was being talked about and or not talked about even by those who were um, adepts and so forth. So he, you know, he kind of like, like I said, like Prabhupada like said, forget these Indians. I mean, that's what he said at one point. But he also goes, well, they're 10 feet from Krishna, you're 100 feet, but at least you're faced the right way. You know, so I'm going to work with you and then we'll go back to the India and try to turn those guys and gals around too, you know. And so forth. So that was kind of the way Bhaktisiddhanta Sarvati looked at the tradition. He just kind of looked the other way. And he formed and an institution, of course, that's, at least in those days, that's Western. The British were giving structure to everything, you know. India just doesn't lend to that. You know, Hinduism doesn't lend to that at all. It's really like, whatever, you know, or there's many different ways to think about it. It's very inclusive. Hinduism, India is very inclusive. They're, they're not like, they were never like, Conquering in spirit, you know, in, amongst one another, a little fighting amongst the kings and whatnot. But you know, so this is a Western idea. You got to, you know, you got to fit it inside your head and and uh, contain, contain it and control it. So he was really thinking um, westward, and uh, and and he was thinking about the British and so forth. So here, these guys are just, you know, dressed in loincloth, living in the, in the jungle. Who's gonna, the British going to pay any attention to him? He went so far as that I saw a letter, you know this letter from a lady in England who had met Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and she wrote back to her friends and said, I met this uh, Indian subtle and he's different than the rest. Hmm? He uses the English toilet even. <laughs> and she thought, wow, I want to connect with this guy. He's up to date. He's like, you know. So that's the way he kind of kind of looked at it. He was looking westward into what would appeal to their minds hmm, so that they might take it up and then, you know, like, I guess, with probably the idea, come back later on and turn those guys around or something and bring them up to date. So, 
I think that's kind of the idea of institutionalizing, and, and, and the suggestion came from Bakubinot Thakur, and it was successful in that regard. I mean, it did take it everywhere. And if you look now and you take it everywhere, then the criticisms of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati, they really start to fade, don't they? When you have people all over the world, you know, I was there when we living the prediction of Bhakti Thakur, and he said, one day in the near future, people from all countries of the world will chant, Jai Satchinandan, Jai Satchinandan, and Navadvipam, you know, I, I was in that Sankirtan party when that first happened. And everybody internationally who's touched by Gaudiya Vaishnavism is indebted to Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitakra. So it was a huge success, despite the fact that the institution had its shortcoming. ISKCON was a big success, you know, with all of its problems as an institution. Whether institutions are the way to go now, big institutions, that's a whole other, you know, conversation. One that Bhakti Siddhanta or Prabhupada would readily entertain, no doubt. But I think that was kind of the idea. So what else? Another question, yes. Would, would the one of the benefits of the institution be maybe perhaps that um, your uh, compiling from the different scriptures, as you said before, what is the essence? So that people who join the institution already don't have to look. They already have the essence they are prepared for them. Of course, you can always expand naturally, but you are not lost in the jungle, so to speak. Yeah, well, that's what the Goswamis did, as I said. They made a softer form of institutionalizing the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by, by demonstrating from the scriptures what that was about in their bhakti shastras. They, they were, there are shastra gurus, as I said, because they collected all the bhakti shastras, the main books about bhakti. They collected all the verses from the other books that weren't exclusively about bhakti, that, that spoke about bhakti, and then they wrote their own books hmm, about bhakti, their own commentaries. This is our Shastra Guru. So they did that. That's a form, we call it a soft form of institutionalization. But until the time of Bhakti Vinod or Bhakti Siddhanta, a more concrete form of institutionalization where you take the, the teachings, the books, which are harder to corrupt, and you make it more concrete and you know, an actual physical knock on the door, you know, place. Then you got to have rules how that's going to run and so forth, and it's you know it, it gets a little further away from the idea, but it can bring people closer to the idea at the same time. So it's just a kind of a fine line. Another question? Can you just explain what exactly is Godia? What does Godia mean? I've been trying to figure that out for a while now. <laughs> now Godia means Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This says the Vaishnavism. Krishna Bhakti as understood by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because Gaudiya, Gaudiya refers to the place in which he, he appeared and that place is considered non-different from Vrindavan as he's considered non-different from Krishna. So we call it Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Chaitanya Vaishnavism. Gaud also means, Gauda means sweet, so sweet Vaishnavism. Hmm. Sweet Vaishnavism. Yes. Maharaj, uh I would like to understand better the difference between Atman Vedana as the one of the names of, of mm-hmm. Bhakti and the, like, like Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita and Sarva Dharma yeah. Are you going to be here tomorrow? Uh, yeah. yeah. So we'll talk a little bit more about this, all the different limbs and so forth. Maybe we stop there to some prashad for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah.